Hello everybody and welcome to another episode of The Unerasable Stories. Today we're going to be continuing our mini-series on foster care individuals. And to get us started today, we have a gentleman named Alex. So to start, um, I was born September 24th, 2002, 19 years old. My birth name uh, used to be Jose. The adoption process is long and very difficult. So I've always grown up in foster care. I was placed in foster care when I think I was one years old. One person that's always been in my life that pretty much raised me was Josh. His name was Fabian before it was Josh. We got placed in this home. I'm not gonna give names, but they were a good family. They just, I feel like had a hard time with me. I was, I'll admit, I was a difficult child. I threw temper tantrums, but all kids do it. Mine were a little extreme. I do admit that. And so one day I was restrained. Uh, I never really got along with any of the other kids that lived there. Josh and I always felt like outcasts, especially me. There was, there was minor, I wouldn't say abuse, it was more neglect. Like one time I got locked in the garage and <clears throat> I was strapped in a car seat and I couldn't get out. If I did, they would take the nightlight and I did do that. And then I was stuck in a pitch black garage. And so that's kind of why I'm not afraid of the dark or wasn't at that age. I grew out of it because I spent a lot of time in the dark. <clears throat> um, so just neglect, really, not much abuse. They put me in restraints when my fits got out of hand, and that's what happened the day I got taken away. Along with Josh and I, we eventually got told that we had a baby sister. We had no idea. She was just born. I remember they were like, you guys have a sister, and we were like, whoa, like we didn't know that. Um, Unfortunately, I didn't live with her for too long to grow that bond that I wish we could have. And right now, I'm not really allowed to see her, but hopefully one day in the future I can. But the reason why I pretty much got separated from Josh was I was put into a restraint or a hold, and I was throwing my face. I threw my head back trying to get out, and I broke the woman. I don't want to call her mom because she wasn't a mom to me. But I broke her nose, and because of that, they called the police, and... I got taken away, and I never saw Josh after that until we got reunited. I might have seen him one time on a visit, but I can't remember. But I ended up going to a group home or shelter, one of the two. I think shelters for younger kids and group homes for older. So I think it was a shelter, and it's it's crazy how fast life can change. Like I went from knowing bunch of people knowing my biological brother to not knowing anyone cried myself asleep a lot of times and it took some getting used to but it was definitely scary and then so to backtrack a little bit the people I ended up living with used to babysit us for the family I was with and so they found out I was in the shelter and they came and picked me up and I ended up living with them that's where I met Hannah and her sister. Hannah was still a baby. She was crawling. Sam was probably, what, three or two years older? Not much older. Sam is Natasha. That's her. That's the name. 
I've always called her, so it still sticks sometimes. I think her saying that Natasha. I need to get used to that, but <clears throat> that's when I met them and their biological cousin, uh, who is now their brother because of the adoption. Um, but we eventually did. We got adopted into that family, and things were great. Things were good. It's called the honeymoon phase. Things go good until the adoption, and that's when things changed. I felt like the older I got, the harder they were on parenting. And, like, yeah, you're allowed to be hard during parenting, but it was, like, dumb stuff. Like, if I didn't do my chore right and it wasn't, like, perfect and shiny, then I had to redo it until it was to their liking. And I had to do other sucky things, like I had to wash my clothes sometimes in the bathtub because they wouldn't let me use the washer. And they thought I had a mental illness at one point. They thought Hannah and I both did. So we spent a lot of time in Nevada going to a center. I wasn't mentally ill. I just needed to be parented right. Um, but I got put on a strict diet where I couldn't have high fructose corn syrup, other stuff. But there was more abuse there than... And there was also neglect, like I got locked in my room. They turned the lock so only they could open the door. Um, but not only with me, but with Hannah too, and her brother. He didn't have it as bad, neither did Sam, because Sam followed the rules. She was obedient. I was just a kid. Um, I had a bad temper, but I was also, I just wanted things to be normal. I felt like I was lost and... I just needed good parents that would understand me for me. And I couldn't tell anyone at school because I was scared to leave. That was my only home. I didn't want to be put back somewhere where I didn't know anyone. So I was <clears throat> just going to tough it through. But things just kept getting worse. And I got body slammed onto the bed, stuff like that. They put me in tight holds where I physically could not move. And just... And neglection, too. Like, they would give me a piece of toast and water. That was my meal. And so, yeah, it's mainly stuff like that. It's still pretty bad when you're a kid. That was just the gist of it. I lost a lot of things, too. That's why I don't hoard things, but I keep a bunch of things that mean a lot to me. And I also don't like to share because they would take things. So I don't like it when people touch my stuff or take anything of mine because I don't want it to be broken or lost. And I lost, I ended up losing my bed one time and I had to slowly earn that back. I remember using a towel as a blanket and eventually I lost that. So I had to sleep on the cold floor. Um, but not only was I the one getting abused, but so was Hannah. And that's why I guess I have a more of a connection with her and more of a like, protection over her. Uh, now onto my favorite part. Or like, I guess the best turning point in my life. Sam, I will always consider a hero and always consider her as like a big person to me. She's the one who, in my eyes, saved us all. She was the bravest one out of all of us. And she's the one who eventually opened her mouth and said something when the caseworkers were over. I was always scared too. There, were all, there was always either police over or caseworkers over because there were always problems. But they never physically had evidence. We never were bruised up or anything to where they were like, okay, we have to remove them. 
And Sam and Hannah dealt with their own abuse separately. I won't get into that. It's not my business. But um, Sam eventually opened her mouth and said something. And it hurt at that point because I'd moved schools a lot being in the foster care system. And the one school I went to for the longest time, I had good friends there and I was in sixth grade. And I still remember it to this day. I was on my way to lunch and they called me to the office and I told my friends, hey, I'll see you tomorrow. Some of those friends I haven't seen since then. This is back in sixth grade. So uh, I had been placed in the caseworker's car and she filled me up on like what happened pretty much. And at this point, I think I'm 12 years old at this point, 11, 12, around there. Um, and. I get placed in a group home separate from Sam and all the others. I got put into an all, all boys group home and I had to, I didn't forget about them, but I pretty much had to live life knowing they were somewhere else. It was scary. It was actually really terrifying. <clears throat> and then one day, um, my fourth grade teacher, uh, he's also a big part of my life. I had this fourth grade teacher who was the only one who would ever listen to me or like took their time to understand me. Um, so I felt like a lot of teachers and people thought I was just like a difficult child or I started trying to start problems and they never listened. But my fourth grade teacher did and she found out I was in a group home. I don't know how, I still to this day don't know how. But they found out and they came in, they picked me up and I lived with them for a little bit. And they're at the point where they were going to adopt me. But they gave me a choice because they had found out where Sam and Hannah were. They gave me a choice to either go live with them and be reunited with them or get adopted into their family. I had grown up with Sam, Hannah, and the other boy for so long I wasn't ready to give that up. And I didn't really, I got along with the kids at their house, but they were older than me. So they were in high school and I was still in elementary so I didn't get along the best with them but I got along great with Hannah and the others so I felt like I guess familiar wise I chose to go and stay with Hannah and the others and to this day that's been the best decision the hardest decision of my life because who knows where I would be right now um but it was one of the best decisions ever because I wouldn't have met mom and dad and the rest of the family um but yeah, I got put into the group home with them. And I almost got put into another all boys group home with them, mom and dad. They had a, a sense to come check it out, you know? One day we were just told to uh, get our bags ready because someone wanted to come pick us up. I got scared because it usually either doesn't work out or just uh, goes off the rails. But I could tell that there was something good about mom and dad's family. I don't know. I don't know if it was Ariana and Hallie singing Taylor Swift in the car or Max and we were going to the Super Bowl. I don't know what it was, but they were filled with a lot of joy and happiness. And we went to the Lego Fest. They had a little little Lego event here at uh, uh, Cardinal Stadium. I saw the little toy in the book from that day, and that was when I was 12 years old, so that's pretty cool. Um, just stuff like that means a lot to me. But... Uh, I don't know what made mom and dad want to keep us, but 
was it a week later? Yeah, it was a week later. They tell us that they want to take us in. So we packed our bags and we moved in with mom and dad. Um, things were going good. Uh, obviously, things went great. Hannah and I were happy. The only one who wasn't really happy was Sam. She never really got her own life because she was busy being a mom to Hannah, me, and Eric. They, she was like our mom, so she never got to live her life, never got to be a teenager. Yeah, she went to school, but she never got to go to prom, never got to go to those high school dances, make those memories. So she wasn't fit in her eyes to be in a, in a family. So she went and she moved on with her life and she's doing great now. I couldn't be proud. I couldn't be more proud. She's happy. She's successful. She's thriving. She has a kid. Like, that's awesome. She has a fiance too. So I'm happy that she made that choice because she found she found her life. And uh, the boy, Eric, he had grown a connection with one of the staff members at the group home, and she, they ended up adopting him. So it's just Hannah and I. From the very beginning, it's just been us two. And uh, we eventually got adopted here. But one of the biggest things in my eyes that like helped me figure out what like a family or what parental love is or was, was... I still threw temper tantrums when I got here, and there was one where it was really bad, and I was fuming. Mom, I'm sure has told this story, but I told her, I was like, it's okay. You can send me back now. They always do. Like, I was ready for her to send me back to the group home or the shelter. She looks at me, and she goes, you're still my son. Yeah, I'm going to love you no matter what. And from that day on, I have not thrown a temper tantrum. So, as you can see, I just needed proper love and parental Air. That's all I've ever needed. The rest you all know. The rest is just what I've been doing with the rest of my life. Graduated high school, moved out. But yeah, that's my life in a nutshell, I guess. I never really got that far into it. Um, but that's why Hannah will always be my number one. And she'll always be my, my little sister. She's still crawling in my eyes. But uh, that's why a lot of people think we're biologically related. And some people say we look like. I don't see it, but yeah, she's always my favorite. The last story we'll be hearing today is from Casey, and here is her story. My name is Casey. Um, I'm not 18 years old. I first went into Cairn when I was about two. I remember every second of it. I remember the day. I went into care. I was very, very homesick. Uh, that was one of the first things I remember. I was being sick all the time. I just wanted my mum. I just knew I wanted to go home. I wanted to be back to reality. I didn't know who these people were. I was put into their care. No, I didn't. This, this wasn't my home. This isn't, you know, I didn't have my toys. I didn't have anything that reminded me of my mum or anything like that. So for me, it was really, really bad. I cried myself to sleep. I couldn't sleep. I was having nightmares. Foster carers I had then were absolutely amazing to me. Um, growing up was very difficult for me. I had some very difficult trauma. I must have been six, seven. They diagnosed my mum with bipolar and split personality disorder, which for me has always been difficult as I know my mum's mental health is not her fault. But me and my mum don't have a relationship anymore because of 
it's so difficult to live with. I love my mum to bits, and I always will, because she's my mum, but there is a reason why I am in care now. So, growing up, I was going through all of that, seeing things, doing things that maybe a younger child shouldn't be doing, but to me, that was normal. That's, that's what happened in my household. It was toxic, it wasn't a good environment, but one thing I knew, my mum did love me, she just was not able to look after me. So it got to the point where my mum was just being ill all of the time from all of this mental health issues and all the rest of it. Obviously social services was in and out of my life. My mum turned around and said, one day, I can't do it anymore. That's when I went into care, um, fully at the age of four, turning five on my birthday. There's a photo I have. I'm in this blue sparkly dress, I look happy, every time a camera was put in front of my face I knew that I had to be strong, I knew that I had to smile through the pain, through everything I was feeling, so you know I look happy but there's a lot more to that child there than I was showing um, and I think I do that throughout my life. There's days where I wake up and I know I have to be strong, I have to put that smile on, I have to get on with life because if you don't then that's when bad things happen. I remember my social worker coming to pick me up from my mum's house, took me in the car, and I was like, I'm not going. I'm not going. I want to stay with you, and that's it. And she turned to me, she said, you're going. I kicked, I screamed. I wasn't going. I was determined, you know. I was only young. I went with my mum. I wasn't going into another stranger's house. I didn't understand why. I just thought they were taking me off my mum, and that was it. Yeah, it was... It was quite a sad experience for me, and I'll never forget the day I stepped foot in that house. I was um, special guardianship, which a lot of people don't know, but it's like a step down from adoption. And I thought it was my forever home, you know, I thought I'd be there my entire life. Um, I had a very, very strict upbringing with her. Things that a normal child would do, I wasn't allowed to do. Going for my friends for dinner, wasn't allowed to do. I didn't sit and play with toys necessarily, it was all very, you need to do your schoolwork, you need to do this, you need to do this in your life. There was no being a child, I didn't have that experience. It was okay, she did love me I think to a certain extent. I was part of their family for years and years, you know. Um, it It's a difficult one because I feel like she did care. When I was about the age nine. 10 she met a man we all thought he was a very nice man that's always how it starts somebody that's abusive or is very angry at the world when i first met him you know it was like a honeymoon period it was oh I'll buy you some new clothes oh we'll go here you're my daughter now we both welcomed him into the home social services weren't really involved at the time so i think that was his time to like Counts almost like the opportunity of being my abuser. And again, I wouldn't want any child to go through what I'm about to say. Um, this is probably one of the more, most traumatic times of my life. And yeah, it is difficult to talk about, but I'm here to talk about it, and I'm open to talk about it. After this, this is when the abuse started. It was little things. It was like, you know, you're ugly, you're fat, you shouldn't be eating these things, you shouldn't be doing that. He would hit me and hit me and hit me for no reason. Anything I did was wrong in his eyes. He was a very angry man. And it was horrible because I could see the um, effect it was having on my foster carer. 
she was obviously drawn into it as well to a certain extent so she didn't hit me at first um, but then she did start to nearer to the end people probably wouldn't believe what i'm about to say because it's just absolutely insane things like so if we were eating at the table if i wanted second helpings i'd have to do press ups so that i could eat food things like walking to school walking home it was all timed I had to be home in 10 minutes. If I was not home, a belt was used or a wooden object or anything, I'd get hit with. I was in the wrong. If I was in the shower, I was timed. I had to ask to go to the toilet in my own home. It's only been the past few years where I've actually started to realise that I can go to the toilet. So as you can imagine, over this period of time, I'm getting physically abused, mentally abused. And at the time, I thought it was normal. I didn't really think that anything was wrong, but I was isolated. When you're in that abuse, you don't see it. So, because obviously I was going to school, that was my escape at the time. That was somewhere I thought this is my safe place. It got worse and worse over time. One day, again, my birthday, I woke up, went to the sink to get a glass of water before going to school. Picked the glass up and it smashed out of my hand because I was always on edge at home. I was flinching all the time. Because I thought he's going to come up behind me and hit me. I had no relaxation in my home. It was always on edge. So dropped this thing and he went mad. I was like, I'm really sorry. I didn't mean to. He literally picked me up by my hair. Pulled me across the kitchen floor. And then held me up. And beat and beat and beat me. Until I had bruises all over my body. And my foster carer at the time sat in the other room with her own baby. She was meant to be the person that was meant to look after me, you know, and she was the one that I trusted. So it got to the point where I was like, do you know what, I'm, not, I'm never coming home. I am never coming home because obviously I'd been going to school. I'd been seeing that people were eating their lunch and had all these nice things and they went out with their friends to the park, you know, they didn't get hit, they didn't end up with bruises all over them. I had bruise after bruise on me, my hair was pulled out in clumps, I was skin and built. So that day, I had to escape my own home. He was like, you're not going to school, you're not going to school, I was like, I'm going to school, I'm never coming back. I had to dart out of the door to get out and I ran as fast, my heart was beating, my legs were thumping, every part of my body hurt where I was so traumatised, stressed out. I was so scared because he... He threatened to kill me so many times. I'm going to kill you for telling anybody. When you're a child, even even an adult, you don't know. He could have killed me. So, got to school, told the teachers. The police came. I had to go through all the checks. I had to go to hospital. My whole body was checked, examined, arrested, and that's when I was took out of their care. Um, that is the maddest part of my life. And it's something that I will never ever be, be able to forget. But it's something that I've learnt from. But I knew from that day I wasn't going to let them determine what was going to happen in my life. And I haven't. So when this all happened, obviously I was put back into the care system. I ended up living with a family friend who are amazing people. They've been the most supportive people in my life, one of them. I used to live so close to them. Walking into Lidl and seeing your abuser, I was constantly on edge. 
I'd walk, walk to school and be like, he's going to get me, he's going to get me. You know, I'd, I'd walk into my kitchen and be like, he's behind me, he's going to get me. I wake up screaming, crying, flinch all the time. It's not just one occurrence. It, it happened and 10 years down the line, you forget about it because I still sit here and I'm still affected. Me, five years is a long, long time for me to stay there because I was in and out, in and out of different placements. I've gone on holiday with them. I've come out with my shower from being there. I've done loads of different things, like I said, that I wouldn't have been able to do. I'd say my favourite thing is now I'm comfortable. I'm obviously 18, so I'm allowed to do my own thing, but you know, they're still there. I've been in CFC for about five years now. Wow. <laughs> I would say I've had some of the best experiences before COVID and all that. We were going on residentials. It just gave me new experiences. We were canoeing, we were having lots of fun. My support worker was there. So like people that I knew was there and it was just really nice young people were there. We were able to do loads of different activities. The new opportunities I've been given from being in care. Even though, you know, I've been through a lot of trauma, life experiences that I wouldn't want a child to go through. From being in care, I would say I'm quite mature for my age from it. You meet loads of new people, you have to socialise. I'd also say, with CFC, like when I was living at home with my mum, I didn't, I didn't get these opportunities. I couldn't get on a plane and, you know, go on holiday or go to Devon for a weekend. But I couldn't do things that normal families do because my mum couldn't afford it and that was life. Me and my mum lived at home and that's what we did. The furthest we'd go was to the park. But now, you know, I've been different places in the world. I've experienced things that I probably never would have experienced. All these things like make up to who I am now. But if I hadn't been put into care, I wouldn't have had these experiences. I wouldn't have grown from what I've been through. You know, when I was with my mum, we struggled to eat sometimes. That, that was life. You know, a lot of people struggle nowadays to turn heating on, to eat. All these things came into practice. So when I went into care, obviously I had a roof over my head. I was healthy. For me, it was like, wow, like, I'm actually allowed to have all of these nice things, but now I work for all these things. So that's another learning curve. Another thing that I'm so grateful to have been able to do is do training with foster carers. I've sat in meetings with, like, foster carers, spoken about my life experiences, how it is in care. I've done Zoom meetings. I've done courses with them on life skills, stuff like that, stuff that I might need in the future. So CFC's opened a door for me in that aspect. I have a support worker through CFC who I talk to on a, on a weekly, he comes out and sees me. So it's just really nice to have that one person that I know, I've known for five years. Having that consistent person in my life is so, so important. So CFC has been able to offer me that. I feel like if I hadn't been through the care system, I probably wouldn't know half the things I do know now. I've been given a better life because of being in foster care. I try to stay positive about everything as much as I can. I have my days where I'm not very positive, but that's that's even that's fine. Because obviously of my upbringing and how things have been, I've learned how to be an adult. I know exactly what I want. I know exactly where I want to be. So I know I have to fight my corner, and that's what I've done throughout my life. I've got out of situations. I've picked up myself off my feet again, and I know I can face anything now. I hope to have my own family, be in a you know, a nice place, be able to live, go and explore the world, 
do things that I want to do in life and just live a healthy and happy life really. I would love to be a foster carer because of my life experiences I might be able to help a child that has had a similar situation. I'd love, I'd love to be able to give that opportunity to a child and bring them up in a happy, safe environment. So I'd never ever want them to go through what I went through. My main thing is just welcoming the person in. My stuff's been in bin bags before and that made me feel so unwelcome. You know, you're going into a stranger's house, as much as they're a stranger in your house, they might not wanna sit with you or communicate with you because they just don't know how to. They haven't been offered a loving home. To us, it's like alien. We don't know what life is. Why are you doing that? Why are you being so nice to me? People just assume like, you know, oh, sure, she or he will settle in a few days, but it can take years. Understand your own person. If you don't understand your own person, you won't have a relationship. I have a thing about being on time to everything. I have to be on time. Like if I'm not on time, it sends me into panic mood. I get hot. Sometimes I might wake up in the night and think, why am I awake? Because tears just rolling down my face. I bottle things up and I can't talk. And you know, it all comes out at once. And it's this massive outburst of like anger. And I do go through a time in my life going out partying and distracting myself was a way that I cope, you know? I've been pushing my trauma almost under a carpet, but I feel like you have to look trauma in the face. You have to face it and be it. I would say a lot of people in care don't really like affection because we've never really had affection. We've never had that one person that, oh, can I have a cuddle? Like, someone comes up to me, like, you want a cuddle? I'm like, no. So it's very difficult sometimes to express my emotions in the right way and I really do struggle sometimes. There's times where I feel really low and I'm like, why do I feel so low? And it, it all links back to my past and I just want, you know, other people to understand that children care, they have more opportunities in life, supporting the young person what they want to do in life, being their parents actually. It's a big responsibility and it's not easy and I know that. Being a foster carer is probably one of the hardest jobs in the world. It's something that shouldn't be labelled a job, but it is. And it's hard work. When that child steps into your house, make them feel that they're wanted. Make them feel like you are part of my family. Make them feel, I don't feel like an outsider, you know. Make them feel like I can sit and talk to you about anything. Feeling like you're part of the family. Because when you don't have family, or the family don't have anything to do with you, whatever the situation is, all that young person wants is that love. They want to feel wanted, because all their lives they haven't been. When you're a child in care, there's a label. Society looks at you as, that child won't get anywhere in life. You know, just because I'm in care doesn't mean I won't do anything with my life that's not the case. People look at you differently. They kind of isolate you from the others. A lot of people stereotype it to be, you get given everything, they just have mental health problems. You need to look at why they might have mental health problems. Why are they behaving like that? People have distanced themselves before because I'm known to be in care. They just think that you're nobody when I want people to hear my story because I know it's gonna help. I know that it's going to help people that might not feel like they can talk about things. I'd also like foster carers that may be new or they're looking into fostering. Actually, what it's like for a young person, 
what they go through because they go on courses but they don't see it in real life sometimes so i think it's important to understand what foster care actually is about and what it should be about they're gonna have children and they might be in a situation and they don't know how to react they don't know what to do because i think it's very difficult for somebody to sit there and say oh i know i know how you feel i know what you've been through but you don't. When I moved into care, it was strange. I didn't know what was going on. I didn't know how to react, feel. Even at a young age, I couldn't socialise with the children. I just didn't know what to do with myself. Going into a normal family home is is weird to me. I always think that, like, when my foster carer might be giving me advice, oh, she she's mad at me, she doesn't like me anymore. Like, all these thoughts come into my head because when I live with my mum, that wasn't normal, do you know what I mean? I'd never sat down with someone and I had to like a proper conversation, you know, just giving me advice. It was always shouting, shouting, screaming. Sometimes it, I do get overwhelmed and I'm like, I can't do it, I can't. And that's when I zoom away from what's going on. I don't even focus on what's just happened. Now I'm starting to learn how to sit and speak. Whereas before I just wouldn't, I just shut down. I still have that like thought in my head thinking, well, I trust that something's gonna go wrong and it's hard because it affects relationships it affects what's going on in your household i have to speak to people about what i've been through because i can't understand what by me what did i ever do wrong you know to to experience it there was days where i was like i can't do it anymore don't want to be here so feel that low in your life you feel like you can't get out of it i'm here to say actually you can you get yourself up you do what you need to do because your life will be so much better keep going keep going follow your dream follow your aspirations in life if you want to be the billionaire in the world go and be a billionaire don't let people label you don't let people stereotype you because you're your person you will get where you want to in life there's a reason why you've been through all of this stuff and that reason is so you can become such a better person you can bring your own children up so much better you can look at other people in different ways in a good way you're not on your own that's what i'm trying to say like you're not the only person that's in care like there's there's loads of us out there so the trauma that i've been through um and the life experiences i've been through awful and i'd never wish on anybody but i take it as a life lesson and i'm not angry anymore whereas before i was very angry but yeah that, that is my story on behalf of The Unraceable Stories, we wanted to thank Alex and Casey for sharing their story with us today, and until next time.